Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, Long Beach Christian Fellowship. I hate to cut short the, uh, the fellowship because that's, in a sense, what we're talking about today. Uh, Gabby, I, too, feel that that song was anointed. Um, man, you know, what the enemy meant for evil, you know, our, our Lord turns it for good. And, and I just... Um, for the last few days, one of the thoughts that I've just continued to return to is just, yeah, how, um, like, Jesus on the cross, right? Like, the cross is meant for evil, and um, yet the amount of good that's come out of, you know, the love that has been poured out um, by Christ, I mean, is, is, this is why we're all here. And so that's what I was thinking about when I was repeating that song. And um, guys, if you're new here or visiting, welcome. I, my name is Alvia, and um, a member of the, the elder board, and, and um, my wife and I lead the high school ministry here. And uh, today, I'm here as part of the teaching team, and uh, I get to, uh, I'm, I'm, I love teaching. I come a little, it's, I've been wrestling, and I think that's the theme here today. And this morning, uh, one of the first people I talked to this morning was Val, and by the way, it's her birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Not in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, out there serving, and, um, but, you know, she was just like, she gave me this look, she's like, woo, like, ready to be here, you know, and I was like, yeah, let's go, you know, and he was, she was just, I said, let's do work, and, and she was just like, you know, she's like, I'm just, I'm ready to wrestle, I'm ready to wrestle with the scripture, and, and I was like, well, I, gosh, I, I, that's exactly it, I think that's what we're here to do today, is just wrestle with the scripture, and, and this next thing she said, I thought was, um, was right on. She said, you know, the, the battle, she's like, you know, the battle is not here in the, in, in, in the flesh. It's, it's, you know, it's like in, in the other realm. It's in the spirit. And, and so I just want to invite, we're going to look at this, we're going to read an entire book of the Bible today. So you could check that one off your, uh, your list, right? Um, and this book is, it's, it's a letter to Philemon. It's called Philemon in the New Testament. So it's okay. It is a whole, it's a whole book of the Bible, but it's only about 300 words. Um, but it's a powerful, powerful letter that Paul wrote. And, um, and so the invitation today is just to wrestle um, in the spirit, wrestle and, and respond. I invite you to respond to whatever it is that, that the spirit is impressing on your heart through this story. Um, I'm compelled to, to share a story I've been wrestling with, I, I love church culture. I think a lot about church, and uh, I've been involved with um, some form of leadership in churches for uh, maybe about 15 years now, and, um, you know, I've just had all kinds of experiences, positive experiences, challenging experiences. I've had my feelings hurt. I've been offended. I've um, offended a lot of people also in my involvement in church, and um, I'm not sure if you guys have glory days or, like, golden days that you think back to in regards to, like, your involvement in any sort of church community, um, but I have some, and some of them are like, man, I remember when I was in youth group, and we were just, like, gung-ho for Jesus in Mexico, you know, um, and I don't know if you have these memories where just God did some work capturing your heart, um, and one of those uh, experiences for me 
was when I, I was involved with, I did like a YWAM, Youth with a Mission, which is a nonprofit, it's a mission organization, and uh, it's international, focused on getting youth into missions, and, and, and so I went and did a discipleship training school there, and, and my six months in, it, it was Australia, um, is one of my like memory, my golden memories I think back to. And when I think of examples of what a community um, of Christ can be like, I think of my, my team and my group that I was living with in Australia. And we just had this way of being, and partly it's because we didn't have jobs. Um, I, and that's, I, I have to admit, but we were just available with each other, you know? Like, we just, whatever the Spirit was doing, it's like, let's go. Let's go. I am down. I think so, okay, I think about what, how do you create a community like this, and um, how can I be a part of something like that? And number one is you've got to have no job maybe, right? You need the space and the time. But another factor is we were all just young and crazy enough to go, yeah, I'm just all about Jesus, and I want to, like, do whatever it takes to spread the gospel, you know? I'm ready to abandon my, my rights, my, my comfort for this cause, which is the gospel. And that was what it was. I mean, we were all in our early 20s. I think the youngest person on our team was 18 and the oldest maybe 26. And um, I, was, I, was, I turned 21 while I was out there. And, um, you know, there were just weird things that happened. I mean, like this, we, we, were gonna go, we went to China for our outreach. And so we were preparing to go to China. When we lived, at, we were preparing in China, to go to China in Australia, and a missionary couple came and visit us, visited us to teach us maybe some basic words in Mandarin, and then a little bit about the culture and, and how to, you know, administer the gospel. And um, they, it was, I'm not, I think this was necessary, but they even said, hey, we're setting up your trip, but if you see us, please don't say hi. I mean, it was like that. They, so we had to go through some safety protocols to protect them. Because at the time, and I'm not sure if it's still this way, if you proselytize in, um, in China, you could get arrested or be you know, kicked out of the country. So they just had invested years of service in, in that area, and so they didn't want to risk it. So they went through over some protocol, and then they left. You know, And, and um, the next thing on our agenda was we just had to raise money. And I was broke. We didn't have jobs, like I said. And, um, uh, you know, I would, I would volunteer on this vineyard that was next to our property and make a few bucks here and there. And, um, but I was really relying on, you know, supporters. And I felt like my supporting uh, supporter group was tapped out. I mean, they had already supported me, and I, don't, I didn't know anybody else. Um, and one day, my friends and I, we, we got into this. We decided, let's just, let's just pray for money. <laughs> Like, we got to go to China, right? Let's just get together and pray. And we did. We went into this room. It was a prayer room in, in our building. And, and we started to intercede. And we had a poster paper. And we just started. It was three, two other friends and, and I. And we started just writing things and, um, and praying and, and listening. And whatever thoughts and images came to our mind, uh, we would just write it on, draw it out on this poster. I mean, just weird kind of stuff, you know. Um, but we were just in for it. Like, let's just try whatever. And so one of the things that came to mind um, was, uh, or one of the things that we drew was this picture of a kangaroo. Maybe it's because we had kangaroos running through our property, but I just was like, I just have this kangaroo in my mind, and I drew it down. And, and um, after we had prayed, we talked about what, what do these images mean, you know? And, and somebody says, man, that looks like the logo to the Qantas Airlines. And somebody else, my other friend, he wrote down 3 a.m., and then there was a date. 
And so we just, being our young, wild for Jesus selves, we're like, maybe God's calling us to go to the airport, to the Qantas Airlines like terminal at 3 in the morning on this day, you know. And, and so leading up to that date, it was maybe like five days away, we were, my friends were asking, like, hey, we're going to try to go. We don't have cars. We literally don't have cars. I mean, so it's like, we're going to try to go. And, and um, I was like, I don't know, you know, if something like crazy happens, then I'll, I'll go. Well, sure enough, that night, I go to sleep. We all go to sleep, and um, I, I wake up, and um, I had this ear infection. And, like, I didn't have an ear infection, but my ear was plugged and bugging me, and, and, and all of a sudden, I, it woke me up. And, 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 and I, I'm, like, so annoyed. I'm, like, God, oh, like I'm getting sick, and I need to go to China, and this isn't working out. And, and it's the middle of the night, and, and all of a sudden, I, I hear... I realize I hear music playing. And so my just, I'm sleepy, frustrated, cranky, in my cranky self, I said, like, who was who blaring Pedro the Lion in their headphones, like, through, like, in, at 2 in the morning or whatever time it is, you know? Like, who's just listening to these headphones super loud? And I, I, I get up, and, and I, I'm sitting there dazed and confused, and I realize wait a minute, no one listens to Pedro the Lion. Like, this is, we're in Australia. Like, who listens to this, this random indie band, right? And, and I was like, except for me. And I'm like, what? Like, what's going on? And I look on the floor in the middle of the room. I mean, it must, I must have thrown it maybe in my sleep or something, but my iPod, or I think it was an iPod at the time. It was before iPhones. My iPod was on full volume just playing the song. And and I'm like, that's so random. So I get out of bed, and I pick it up, and, and then I, I'm just like, what? Like, wow, who turned it on? Who did that? And I was like, and all of a sudden, it was, oh, my gosh, what time is it? And it was 2.58 in the morning, and, and we were at 3 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to go out. From go, I, I don't know. So I got up, and I went and walked around our property 3 in the morning, thinking, like, okay, God, what are you going to do? And, and my friends, I had two friends. Um, that weren't in that prayer group, but they were, they were just hanging out at three in the morning in, in our cafe. And so I walk in like, oh, what are you doing? You know, why are you walking around? I was like, well, let me explain this whole thing. And, and they're like, well, let's go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up my friend, this other person on the property, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can borrow their car. And we're going to, let's go down to the airport. And, and so that's exactly what we do. And I, the theme here, and I'm, I, I think this is going to connect to what we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> The theme here is really, you know, like, this is how crazy we were just living. I mean, none of this made sense. And we just were willing to try it because we had space and time. But there was such generosity and such unity in this group. We were just, Alvia, you had this vision in a prayer? Yeah, I'm going with you. You know, I didn't even get the vision. You did, but I'm going with you. And um, sure enough, they wake up, uh, the per- a person that had a car in our, in our, on our base and um, the person's like, yeah, take my keys, it's yours, you know, drive my car across South Australia to Adelaide Airport, and, and so we did, we drove this little stick shift car backwards on the right side, and we get to the airport, long story short, <laughs> we get to the airport, we don't really know what we're doing, we just are like, well, it was the Qantas Airlines logo, so let's just go to this terminal, and we sat on this bench in front of the terminal, as, and we just watched people get out of their taxis, um, and we're sitting there, not just completely, just, Alvia, you brought us here. What, what's up, you know? And I, 
well, I would, let's, let's pray, guys. Let's just pray, you know. And so we just prayed. And, and all of a sudden, a taxi pulls up, and a door opens, and it's the two missionaries that had just got done training us. And they get out of the car, and they look at us, and they're like, what are you guys doing here, you know? And I was like, what are you doing here? They're like, well, we're on our way back to Australia or to China. And, um, and so I explained the whole story, and, and they end up, uh, like, donating money to our team. And, and it's just, you know, that long story short, it was just wild and ridiculous, right? And it didn't make sense. Um, that night, also, a couple people gave their lives to Christ because once these, the missionary team that donated, they, we were like, well, what else should we do? Are we done here, Lord? And one of us said, no, I don't feel like we're, the, the Spirit's done here. And we went inside the airport and just started praying for people. And, and a couple people just, like, gave their lives to Christ that night. And it was just so wild and crazy. And um, the themes in that story that stand out to me are, are this, this, like, reckless abandon for Jesus in the gospel. Also, this unity. Your vision is my vision. Your cause is my cause. Um, and, you know, because we're, we're, we're all here for Jesus and the gospel. Um, and so I often go back to those memories, and I'm thinking, man, that was just so radical. But now I have a job, Jesus, so I can't, I can't do that. But, um, you know, I do wrestle with this. And so if we can bring up this, this, this um, I know it's a lot of talking here, but guess what? It's a teaching team selection series, so it's like chef's choice, and I could just talk about whatever I want, right? And so you're going to get the raw me today. Um, and um, so um, uh, the, we have a, uh, a statement. If you go to our website and it says, uh, you'll find a, a, a link that says, a tab that says values um, about us, and if you click on values under about us, you'll find uh, written on our website our unity statement. I just want to read it. Um, I want to read this because I think it really reflects the heart, uh, the heartbeat of our church and what we're, what we're aiming for here. So let's go ahead and read this. At Long Beach Christian Fellowship, we are a community learning to live and love like Jesus. In this discipleship journey, we acknowledge that we do not have all the answers, and we wrestle with the tensions of our faith. Our unity is grounded in the prayer of Jesus that we would be one in his commandment to love one another. We believe that this love is not an abstract, but it calls us to actualize that love in the way we offer generosity, kindness, grace, and respect, especially in the midst of disagreements. We adhere to the biblical essentials of our faith as expressed in the Apostles' Creed, beyond this, we recognize that we come from different backgrounds and traditions, and we land in different places in our interpretations of Scripture. We strive for unity in Christ in the midst of disputable matters. At LBCF, everyone is invited, and there's always room for more at the table. And if we can leave that up for a second. So I think that I'm here wrestling because, man, I haven't lived this out perfectly or well at all. And as much as I agree with the statement here of unity, I also have been a part of conversations that are just, and I understand why I've engaged in the ways I have, but it's like, man, am I contributing to this unity? I don't know. And I've felt that, man, this is on my heart to talk about unity, but I'm like, man, I don't know how much I can back this up myself. But it's important since this is our unity statement. 
And since the word fellowship is a part of our name, that we actually think about this and consider it. Um, the last personal story I want to share before we dive in, one more, is just that there was a season where I was, I, felt I was called to plant a house church in Costa Mesa. And I was in over my head. And we had people showing up. Um, and I was teaching and leading. I was like, you know, just going for it. And at the same time, I felt like every week I just could not do this. And, and so um, I had met this um, a gentleman named Keith Page, who was a founding pastor, a pastor of a church called Rock Harbor in Costa Mesa, in a workshop. He was teaching a workshop. And, and I'd asked him, I was like, hey, look, you, you founded a church that's like pretty successful, can, you, can I meet with you and get some insight from you? And, and so we did, and we got coffee, and we sat there, and he said, tell me a little bit about your project. And, and then the very next thing, he's like, well, I hope you clarify for me for a second. Are you in the synagogue business or the kingdom business? And that sentence, I mean, you know, I haven't really kept in contact with him, but that sentence has just been implanted in my heart as a seed and has continued to grow. And it's influenced my imagination as I think about what churches can be like. When I read this statement, there's something that's otherworldly. Is that a term? It it's, it's, it's doesn't agree with necessarily the ways of this world, that we would want to be unified in disagreement. This is maybe, this reflects the, maybe the culture of the kingdom more so than maybe the synagogue. And anyhow, we would, it's not that the synagogue was bad. We sat there over this coffee and we started to talk about the difference between the two. And, and it's not that the synagogue is bad, but it's that the kingdom is in the synagogue, but it's not only in the synagogue. And the kingdom doesn't just have walls, um, doesn't have any walls, and it's much wider than we actually think. And, and that led me over the years to just imagine what is the kingdom of heaven like? And if we, I have fun thinking about a table, and I know that the table theology has come up in our conversations recently. And, um, you know, I think about the table that we're going to dine at in heaven. I'm like, man, there's probably going to be some people I don't want to be sitting next to, you know, at this table. And the problem when you start thinking about, you start developing this kingdom theology that extends beyond the systems that we have in place and systems that we know is that, man, it interrupts what, it interrupts what we want, our comfort zone, right? And so when we have and we create our leadership, create statements like this, it's the, these are vision pieces for us to strive for. And I really do think that, I really do think if that as we, as we can all, if we catch on to this vision of unity that Christ wants for us, man, that's when we start to see the weirdness happen. That's really good, you know? And that's when we start to feel, man, this is the type of community I want to be in and be a part of. And, and our community and our fellowship gets electrified. Okay, that was a lot of talking. But uh, let's, as I said, we're going to read a whole book today, so, um, but it'll be quick. So if you have Bibles, I, um, uh, we're going to turn to Philemon. And this is a story that in the same way, this is like a story about the movement of the kingdom, or as I like to call it, the way of Christ. And Paul, there's like some tension and drama going on in this church, and we're going to read about it. And, and Paul then responds to the drama by just saying, hey, let's just, let's just put on Christ. Let's, let's just respond in the way of Christ. So um, what's, what's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain a little bit of context here, and then we'll, we'll start maybe at uh, verse 4. Um, so this book, or this, it's, le- it's a letter written by Paul, and he's a prisoner. He's a prisoner for preaching the gospel. 
maybe in, in um, Colossae, he was, he was preaching, converted people, and he was causing tension, was put in prison, right? And in prison, he's doing the work. He's continuing to do the work of the gospel and preaching the gospel and sharing and, and, and really leading people to Christ. And one of the people that he ministered to uh, before he was imprisoned was a guy named Philemon, who was uh, probably pretty wealthy, well-off, well-established, had his own home, and then also was a sla- had slaves or a slave. He was a slave owner. And through Paul's ministry, the Spirit ministered to Philemon, and he converted Christ. Not only that, but he started to serve the gospel, and his home became a home church. And so people started meeting in this church. Well, there's a dilemma, something that happens, and it's, it's a, it regards his slave. Now, Philemon, again, was a slave owner, and he had this slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus escapes. He runs away. Maybe we'll talk about and explore maybe why he does. But he not, not only ran, ran away, but he may have stolen something from him. But when you're a slave or somebody's property, so just running away means you're, st- you're taking somebody's property from its owner. And so he goes to a nearby city, probably Ephesus. And in this city, somehow he meets or he goes and he finds, he talks with Paul, who's in prison, and spends time with Paul. And Paul then uh, leads him to Christ the slave to Christ, and, and now we got a dilemma on our hands. So let's go ahead and read uh, verse 4. So Paul, he, he, he starts out, and he, he says, I'm writing this letter to Philemon. Actually, if we can just, let's just read the whole thing, right? Okay, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Phia. And to our fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets you in your house, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So Paul here, he starts out with saying, I'm writing a letter to you, Philemon, but your entire community is supposed to be infused by what I'm about to share in this letter. And I think this word is also for us. And then, so verse 4, I always, give my thank, uh, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep learning about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Man, Philemon, you're truly obsessed for, you know, with God's people. You're crushing it. You're killing it. And verse 6, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, I just pray that your work would be effective. And really, uh, you know, just as our unity statements claims generosity, right, that your work in generosity would be effective for the work of Christ. And so then he comes with this appeal. Verse 8, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, our relationship, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ. And here's his appeal. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. In a sense, he's saying he's now my son. I became his father in the faith while here, uh, while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. 
I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. And I'm just going to continue to read here. Verse 13, I wanted to keep him here. I, I really need him here to help me. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do anything without your consent, since you are the slave owner, Philemon. I wanted you to help. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back maybe forever. He is no longer a slave to you. He is more than a slave. For he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, but as a man and as a brother in the Lord. And so what he means by, hey, Onesimus, who was your slave, who ran away, who you are upset with, who owes you something, is now of good use to you because your life is all about Christ, and he's now a fellow soldier, a fellow worker for the gospel. And, and the challenge here, though, the tension lies in the fact that, well, Onesimus, obviously, or obviously Philemon's like, well, this guy, like he was my slave, and, and he ran away, and he took something from me, and he owes me now. In other words, in other words, uh, if it was today's day and age, maybe it's it's that it might have been. You can maybe think of this in the way that Onesimus maybe was a staff member of somebody's that stole their car, and then now Paul is writing to Philemon saying, "Hey, uh, I know he stole your car, but I, I met him, and 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 man, he's he's now he he, loved, he Jesus is in him, and so he's my son." And so I want you to forgive him. But not only that, I want you to continue doing life without your car. He's going to keep your car. Right? And it's like for Philemon, he's like, this is not, this doesn't make sense. Why would I do something like this? And there's a dilemma at hand. He's offended and there's tension. Now for Onesimus, can you imagine being a slave and living your life as a slave? And then here's your new father in Christ. And, 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 and he's saying, I want you to go back to your, your slave owner your owner. I want you to go back to your master. This guy who has who's defined your very identity, who you've ran away from. And so I relate with Philemon because I've been so offended and hurt, but at the same time, I relate also with Onesimus. Because Onesimus, um, you know, for him, his name actually means useful. Can you imagine? Uh, and on one hand, and I, I think about this when we sing that song, What God Meant for Evil, he turns it into good. Well, now Paul talks about how he's useful for the gospel. But before, man, that name, I'm sure, was a point of tension for him. How dare you give me a name as to what you think I am for you, slave master? You're just going to name me what you think I am, useful to you? I'm going to run away. I'm leaving because I can't do this any, anymore. Over the years, I think, I, I mean, I've left many churches, and I've also had a lot of friends leave churches. And um, I've sat in churches with a lot of anxiety, including, including ours. And I remember one day I sat here with a whole lot of anxiety. And I was, it was one of those days where I was like, man, please don't come talk to me. And I talked to Barb, Pastor Barb, afterwards. I was like, man, Barb, I don't know why I'm dealing with this anxiety. And Pastor Barb asked, she said, well, what does it mean to you? Like, what is sitting in this church telling you about who you are? And it just opened up just all kinds of, man, I feel like I'm not qualified. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like yada, yada, yada. 
And um, regardless, I think that people, if there's anything that makes somebody run from church, it is how, we, how they are defined by that church. So oftentimes for people, if they're communicated to, and it's modeled that you don't matter, and you don't, you, you know, you're not good enough, or there might be something a little too off about you, they leave. They don't want to be a part of that community, and there's no opportunity for unity. And so there's no doubt in my mind that Onesimus ran probably for some, some real reasons that had something to do with how he was being identified. And Paul then writes back and says, hey, now there's this guy's got a different identity. He's my son. Not only that, he's useful for you, for me, and for the whole gospel. He is different now. He's not just simply your slave. And the next verse is like probably one of the most powerful verses that I've read in a while. The next two, verse 17. So this is what Paul does about this. He says, so if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And the key word here is partner. And it's a, it's a word that you'd find around the New Testament. Um, and it's koinonia. And if we can bring up this, uh, I have a slide here so you can read it. And it's a Greek word, koinonia, that has been translated into fellowship. Um, it also reads partnership, connection, communion. We talk about our communion with Christ and with the Spirit with this word koinonia. Let's have koinonia with the Spirit and joint participation in Christ. There are, um, let's, there's a few verses that uh, you'll find this word koinonia also uh, in 1 John 1, 3, where it says, uh, where John writes, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So as we have fellowship with Jesus, we have fellowship with one another. 2 Corinthians 13, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Koinonia describes how we relate with God and how we strive to be known and do life with God. 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 16 is not the cup of thanksgiving for, for which we give thanks, a participation, a koinonia. In the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a koinonia, a participation in the body of Christ. And so when we take communion, it's an act of koinonia. It's an act of participation. But not only that, Christ set forth as he died on the cross, right? And he looks up and he says, he's, he's being crucified. And he says, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they do. He's starting something. It wasn't just his heart stance. It, stayed within in him, he modeled something that, so that the next set of believers, the next people who were up to champion the gospel would do the same thing. And so then we have Stephen, I believe one of the first martyrs that have, we have recorded who died for preaching the gospel. He was stoned, and as his last breath left his body, he said the same thing, God forgive them because they don't know what they do. And there's this natural chain of progression that starts on the cross and this continues even through to today, and it in, interjects in our conversation of fellowship and also unity. And so when we look at our name, Long Beach Christian Fellowship, there's such depth to even that name. I always just read it, Long Beach Christian Fellowship. We're just a crew of people in Long Beach who are Christian, and we hang out. But it's far deeper than that. 
we're called to communion with one another just as we are with Christ. And they're actually, if we look into Scripture and we dig deeper into this theology, we find that there is no room for us to say that I have communion with Jesus but not with these other people. There's no room for that. And so, again, uh, today I just want to invite you guys to wrestle with what kind of unity is God calling us to? Have we, have you spent time wrestling with unity? I know that I have not, I have not done this enough. And so this concept of koinonia um, is exactly what, what Paul is trying to model here. He's been preaching it, and he's just like, now here's the perfect example for how I live this out. And so he takes his forgiveness and this grace to the next level. In the verse 18, he says, so he just got done writing, so if you consider me your partner, welcome me as you would welcome, welcome him as you would welcome me. I don't want you to just say, I forgive you for leaving. I want you to actually consider him to be me. And so much so that he says, if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Charge it to my account. There's a lot of dynamics that happen in church communities and households, and we get offended. Um, We get offended by one another. And oftentimes I see that when we have disagreements and we get offended, the easiest thing to do is to step aside. I'm out of here. You don't agree with me, I'm out of here. And Paul's saying, no, let's go right into the midst of it. I want that tension to stand, and also not only that, if we need a price paid, go ahead and charge me. I'm with it. I'm for this unity to the very end. Charge my account. Paul, this, this, this idea wasn't from Paul's own creativity. All he's doing is walking in the vision that, he, that was given to him by the example that Christ laid on the cross. Christ died on the cross, and he also said, charge it to my account. Oh, this person offended you? Charge it to my account. My identity, my background, um, many of you guys have heard, but, but I'm, I'm black. And, um, and I, um, you know, I, part of my story is experiences of racism, and I don't mean to get political or talk about, like, a hot topic of, in politics today. But one thing I do know is this, that um, I have memories of all kinds of, interactions that have rubbed me the wrong way in my life. And as I've thought about these, these verses in this example, I, 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 this is the reason why this teaching this today was like, man, I'm not sure if I'm prepared to teach this. I, ha- I came to this conclusion that, man, I want revenge on every single one of these people. And it's not that I want to go and hurt them, but revenge to me looks like I want them to confess that they agree with me. I want them to confess that they think that I have value because they at one point modeled to me that I don't have value. And that same, same conviction that I have, I extend to my dad, who I haven't talked to since I was in middle school, right? You leaving and you not being in my life, you're just telling me that I'm not worth it. And I want, to, I want an example to you. I want to tell you with my life that I am totally worth it. And I think that's a... It's a valuable thing to do, and I think a lot of people live this out. But in some weird way, all it is is me wanting to take revenge. And I think Paul comes here and he says, in the, the community of Christ, we have this dynamic where you can carry anger into a, in a, into a building and offense and hurt and pain, 
and you can find brothers and sisters who goes, man, that person over there has offended you, and you need him to change, that might not ever happen, but whatever it is that you need from that guy, just charge it on my account. I've needed people to come and be like, hey, you've needed a dad? I'm going to be your dad. You've needed somebody to value you? I'm going to do that, and it's not even going to matter if that other person that has hurt you will value you one day. Just let it go. And I think this lesson here is absolutely massive in its kingdom business. It is how we see on the cross is where we see the difference between simple synagogue business and the kingdom of heaven. And when we think about the kingdom of heaven, it just, it wrecks us. It's like it doesn't make sense. And that's my final word, that love and forgiveness in the way of Christ, it's not fair. It's not. And it also is, is... it's difficult, it's inconvenient, but it's 100% worth it. The way of Christ is 100% worth it. And if we can just hold on to that, if we can grasp that, then, um, then I think that we will be stoked on the best water slide of our lives. Now, um, we're going to take communion now. And when we, as we take communion, I want to encourage you to think of this word koinonia. Or if, and even further, think of our name. We're Long Beach Christian Fellowship. Long Beach Christian Koinonia, communion. And not only are we, our communion starts with Christ. And as we, as we uh, come up and we take the bitter herb, right, we're reminded of sin, the bitterness of sin. And then as we, we, we take the life, the bread that represents the life that Christ lived for us, the life of his life, the life that he is in us, we're taking communion and we're, we're, we're becoming one with Christ. We're reminding ourselves how closely we are in fellowship and partnership with him. And then the blood, when we, when we drink of the wine, it's, it reminds us, we're reminded that, that we are stepping into that, back into that communion. And today, let's add a fourth step to our communion process, and it's communion with one another. It's to be one with one another. And I would, I just, again, I want to invite everybody to just question unity. What does it look like? What does Christian unity look like? And I hope that questioning and that wrestling doesn't stop today, that it's just a lifelong process. Of like, how is, how is, Jesus, how are you calling us to, to unity? And my final word is, is really this, um, that if you are pursuing communion with a community and somebody owes you, something let's consider how we we get that repaid how do we need to get that repaid right because unity above all that was in our scripture reading that we would pursue unity above all and so um i'd like to invite those who are serving communion up um, i believe uh the palmers and um and then also edgar um oh and then also yes guys uh we have a prayer team here uh, led by Gabby, and if you have gotten prayer, it is this is where communion, we start to feel the communion happen. There's been examples. Um, I've heard of stories of people who, are, who pray, who, are being, who get prayed for by people that maybe they don't agree with, and all the walls just come down. So anyways, I just encourage you, if you need prayer in any way, um, I, I encourage you to connect with the prayer team and come on up. Um, let me pray. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would wash over our entire, our community, 
and in this entire building and all of the energy and all the efforts that we have here. And would you flood us with the, the, the way of, of, of Christ, of, of the way of the cross. If there's a, a sense, if, if we need to lay down our pride or our rights or what we deserve, then lead us to do so and show us how. Give us the strength. Show us the strength. To, give us the strength to pursue unity and, and cause us to be curious, extremely curious of what, what the kingdom of heaven truly looks like and how you lead us right into the, the community of heaven. Allow us to engage in incredible visions of what that table looks like. Amen.